And uh, I've got a unique message coming today, and I want to, this particular message is called Born with Purpose. Everybody say, Born with Purpose. Poke your neighbor, your other neighbor, say, you're born with purpose, and you're born to make a difference. Amen. Amen. I'm going to go to Mark chapter 5, verse 1 through 20. It's going to be on the screen behind me. In the New King James Version, it's a long passage. I won't have you stand, but if you've got uh, your Bibles and if they're on your phone or however you do it, paper Bible, or just look at the screen, I'd like for you to check this out. Mark chapter five, verse one through twenty. A fairly uh, familiar portion of Scripture. I'm gonna I'm gonna hit some different areas than what if you've heard this passage preached before, or even you've heard me preach before. Totally different angle on this. Then they came to the other side of the sea of the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains. Because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day... He was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, or the pigs. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled, and they told it in the city and in the country. They went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. When he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends. Everybody say, go home to your friends. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Jesus just sent him out as an evangelist. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. Everybody say, Decapolis. Decapolis simply means ten cities. They were ten Roman cities, not Jewish cities, that were east of the Sea of Galilee and all through south and north of that region. All that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. I find it interesting that Jesus said, I want you to go home and tell your family and your friends what God has done. And he went to the ten cities and told everybody. He didn't stop with just family and friends. I want you to bow your heads in prayer with me, and I want you to think, I am born with purpose. I am born 
to make a difference. Just say it with me. Say, I am born for purpose. Say it out loud. I am born to make a difference. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for the blood. I thank you for the eight souls that have given their lives to you or recommitted. Some, many, five for the first time. I'm so grateful for that. I pray, God, for the next few moments, you arrest our attention. and You anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power and in deed. I pray, Father God, that you would speak to us the precious word of the Lord now. Let it fall in the good soil of our hearts and grow and bear forth fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form you have, and let's boldly declare, Father, today, right now, by your grace. I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Now, I'll find somebody next to you and say, hey, you're born with purpose. Ralph Barton, you'll see on the screen behind me, one of the top cartoonists of the nation, left this note pinned to his pillow before taking his own life. I've had few difficulties, many friends, great successes. I have gone from wife to wife, from house to house, visited great countries of the world, but I am fed up with inventing devices to fill up 24 hours of the day. There was a man who, by the world's standards, had it all, but he had no purpose in life or didn't know where he was going or what he was doing. The word purpose is defined by Webster's Dictionary as something set up as an object or end to be obtained. Intention. Resolution. Determination. In order to really grasp where Mark 5 is taking us, You have to really grab a hold of the end of Mark chapter 4 in verse 35 where on that day the scriptures say when evening came, he, Jesus, said to them, the disciples, let us go over to the other side. Now we know the story that the storm came and they thought they were going to drown and it was a total mess. It was a stormy night. They all thought they were going to die. Master, do you not care that we're all perishing? He's asleep on a pillow. He didn't like just nod off. Dude went and got him a pillow and laid down to take a nap while they're fighting for their lives and they're panicked and we've got all this turmoil going on. But I want you to look at your neighbor one more time real quick and say, hey, let's go to the other side. Jesus wanted to go to the other side because he had a purpose in mind. He had a life that he was ready to change. It's a storm-filled night. They're soaking wet. It's dark. They finally make it to shore, and they pull up to a graveyard. There, the graves were cut out of, the, the tombs were cut out of the side of walls outside a little city and the towns that were there. And out comes this crazed maniac of a man filled with demons running at Jesus and the disciples. Now you put yourself in the disciples' shoes. You've already thought you're going to drown. You're soaking wet. You're cold. It's dark. 
You've been scared to death, and finally when the storm calms, Jesus rebukes you and says you got no faith. You pull up to the shore, and here comes a crazed demoniac, madman, probably foaming at the mouth, running at them. Can you imagine how it must have been to be a disciple? How many want to sign up for that trip with Jesus? The same account is found in Matthew chapter 8, and it seems and appears to be that there could be a discrepancy. Because Matthew chapter 8 talks about two men filled with demons. Well, Mark chapter 5 talks about just one. However, most theologians and historians agree that Matthew being the accountant, being the tax collector, being concerned with numbers, would have been more focused on the number of the two men, whereas Mark is trying to point out the story of the one for a reason. And I bring that up for a reason because I'm going to circle back to that. So Jesus knew this man had a purpose in his life, and he knew this man was born to make a difference. And that leads me to point number one in, that is this. Is your purpose being hindered? Is your purpose being hindered? Because clearly this man, this demoniac man, his purpose was greatly being hindered. Mark chapter 5, verse 2 says, When he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. The devil was stopping this man's purpose. He was filled with the power of evil and chaos. Now the nearest city or town to where this happened, and the Jews know this, they know the steep embankment where the pigs would have gone down. And if you go to Israel with us, we're going to go again in two years, you'll be able to see where that is. There was a town, there was a Roman town, one of the Decapolis, one of the ten cities, and it was called Hippus. And Hippus was a Roman city. And the reason I bring it up is because Hippus was a community that valued beauty. Much like American cities, it valued accomplishment. It valued importance. It valued accumulation. It valued the things of the world. And here you have a man from a community like this that is completely naked, his hair is unkept, his teeth is not brushed, He's probably foaming at the mouth, stinks like a garbage dump, and he has nothing. He is from a place that valued things of which he had none. He lived in a tomb cut out of a hill with bones and bats and spiders and darkness. He was totally and utterly cut off from society. He cut himself regularly, which made him even uglier and scarier. Mama's telling the children, don't go over there. <laughs> the boogeyman is over there. He's totally out of control. He's a madman. He's violent-tempered, and nobody can do anything with him. He is a lunatic. He's in utter torment. He's in utter turmoil. He has no idea what it is to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. He has no love, no joy, no peace, none of the things that you and I enjoy freely. Everyone in this Roman town, all the pagans, would have despised him and looked down on him. In this town, there was no one worth less than that man. This man, born by God to make a difference. This man... Born by God with purpose. 
was basically shunned by the Gentile world and everyone who knew him or knew anything about him. But it doesn't get any better. Because from a Jewish point of view, this man was unclean to the max. Here he is living in a tomb, and every Jew would have known the Pentateuch up and down and would have memorized it. Most of the Pharisees would have. Numbers chapter 5 says, if you touch a dead body or anything connected to dead bodies, you're unclean. Well, here he is living in the tombs. He's naked. This violates the commandment of modesty. He's stripped of all decency and acceptable behavior in society. He is cutting himself with oozing sores and oozing bodily fluid coming out. Numbers 5 also says if you touch anything oozing out of your body, you're unclean. I mean, this guy's unclean to the max to a Jew. He's living in a pagan land, a Roman city, which equally makes him unclean. We know it's a pagan city, one of the Decapolis, but also the area where they're at is completely pagan because the Jews wouldn't have had pigs. So now you have the Jews would have despised him and looked down on him. There was no one in the Jewish world more unclean than that man. Here's a man born with purpose, yet looked at by the Jewish community as nobody more unclean than that guy. Born to make a difference, he is, he's rejected by everybody. Gentile, Jew alike, it doesn't matter. Nobody wants anything to do with this guy. He's crazy. Can you imagine how it felt to be in this man's shoes? I know it's easy to look and say, well, he had a bunch of demons, and so he is, uh, you know, he's just crazy. How would you know? Uh-uh. He had lucid moments. He had lucid moments, and when he did, he felt all alone. He felt totally unloved. Totally abandoned. Can you imagine having to live in a world where you felt totally unloved, totally abandoned, and totally rejected by everyone? Not one person had anything to do with this man. No one ever said a kind word to him. No one ever hugged him. No one ever told him they loved him. Can you imagine how that would feel? I want to tell you, if you're here today, I love you. We love you. We accept you. If you agree with that, would you clap your hands right now? I want you to know that. I want you to know you're welcome here. We love you. We receive you. Amen. Think about this man. He never had anybody smile at him. Never a kind word. Never a warm embrace of a hug. Just sheer terror on the faces of anybody that caught eyesight of him. Like the people looking at the beast and beauty of the beast for the first time. Sheer terror. There's the monster bringing the children close by. we got to walk on the other side of the land because there's that, that, that nutcase is over there. I'm talking about this guy lived on hell on earth. He never felt like anyone wanted anything to do with him. Have you ever felt like everyone was looking at you with terror? Looking at you with disdain, looking down on you, maybe the choices you made, eyes wide open, like you're some kind of monster. This guy had no family to go to. He had no friends to converse with. Nobody. This guy had no hope. He had no encouragement. Nothing. He had no place where he belonged. Can I paint a grimmer picture for you? I'm trying to get you to see just how awful of a lifestyle. I don't care how bad you got it. You ain't got it as bad as this guy had it. It was literally hell on earth for the man 
that was born to make a difference. Perhaps you're sitting in here under the sound of my voice and you think, God, you've given me dreams. You've given me visions. Why aren't we, why don't you use me? What about me? I never seem to make a difference in anybody's life. Why does everything keep happening to me? Why is it that I have this purpose and this dream and this vision and these prophecies, but nothing seems to be materializing? Perhaps you're there. I don't know. You had all this stuff going on, rejected by everybody, but, everybody say but, everybody say but, everybody say but, <laughs> Jesus looked at him differently. Jesus pulled up on shore and Jesus didn't see all the ugliness and the problems. Uh-uh. Jesus saw him as a lost child of God and said, man, I got to get him back home. The devil had stolen him and Jesus was willing to go to the cross to get him back. Perhaps the world and maybe even those in the church house have looked down on you. Perhaps you're in a world of ugly problems. I want to tell you if you're here today, Jesus will look past all that stuff, past all the ugliness, past all the sin, past all the problems, past it all, and he'll fill you with his love and his acceptance. He will not look at you with a hand shunning you. He will not look at you with disdain like this. He will say, come to me, my son. Son, come to me, my daughter. Woo! Somebody shout amen. What would it feel like if you finally felt accepted? I didn't say what it would be like if you were accepted. I said, what would your life be like if you finally felt accepted? What would it be like in your life? If you finally felt accepted for who you are. You didn't have to put on a mask or facade anymore or try to carry yourself a certain way. Where you could just be you and you're loved and accepted. Well, I want to tell you, you found the right church. And you can belong here before you believe. Somebody shout amen. How would that change you? How would that change your family? How would that change your community, your world? When I got married to Holly, I had one grandparent left, and it was distant, and he was ready to pass, and he's, he died soon after. But when I got married to Holly, she still had all four of her grandparents, and they just received me like their own grand. They treated me like their own grandson. They became grandparents to me. For I am forever grateful for that. Her parents brought me in just like a son. Her sister treated me just like a brother. I've always been this way. Her uncles and aunts treated me just like I'm their nephew. It felt so good to be accepted by another group of people. How many know what I'm talking about? This man never had that. But Jesus was about to change that because point number two, Jesus can set you free. Poke your neighbor and say, Jesus can set you free. Jesus set this man free. Watch this, Mark chapter 5, verse 8 through 9. For he said to him, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, asking, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, I don't want to get into the exact number because there's discrepancies, but basically, a legion of soldiers, Roman soldiers, was approximately 6,000. This guy's got 6,000 demons inside him. Poke your neighbor and say, you think you got problems? 
Dude had 6,000 demons in him. And guess what? You know what? This is cool. When I was researching this and reading this, you can actually see this in pictures if you look this up. Do you know what the, the mascot of a Roman legion was? It was a wild boar, a pig. So Jesus sends the demons into the wild pigs who run down the embankment and drown in the Sea of Galilee, which to Jews was known as the abyss. And the abyss is another word for hell in the Bible. And it's typology of Jesus saying all the demons are going straight to hell when this is all said and done. Somebody say amen. But the point of the story in which I want to tell you is that Jesus gave this man total victory over the devil with one word. 6,000 demons couldn't keep this man from worshiping Jesus. 6,000 demons couldn't hold him in bondage. 6,000 demons couldn't hold him down. Uh Uh-uh. When Jesus gets a hold of you, you'll be set free. There ain't nothing you can't be free from. You want to get free from smoking? You can be free. You want to be free from alcoholism? You can be free. You want to be free from drugs? You can be free. There is nothing to hold you down. Jesus will set you free. Woo! Somebody shout amen. amen. For those of you that have been set free, I want you to shout glory. glory. <laughs> amen. Look at us. We're a bunch of old winos. X, praise God, we're free now. He was totally set free. He was free to live. He was free to live for Jesus. He was free for purpose. His purpose instantly, listen, when this man got set free from demons, his purpose got instantly restored. He was free to make a difference. There's a great story of Yogi Berra, famous old catcher for the New York Yankees, and Hank Aaron, who was playing at the time for the Milwaukee Braves before they moved and became the Atlanta Braves. God's team, by the way. They're playing in the World Series, and Yogi Bear, if you know anything about Yogi Bear, is constantly running his mouth, just nonstop. His endless chatter, on and on, trying to encourage his team, but also trying to distract the players from the Milwaukee Braves so they won't do well. Well, Hank Aaron came up to bat. Hank liked to be called Hank. He didn't like to be called Henry. Well, what does Yogi Bear do? Hey, Henry! He said, you're holding the bat wrong. You're supposed to hold the bat where you can see the trademark. He's just trying to distract. Just get in your head. Hank Aaron didn't pay no attention to him. The next pitch, he hit it in the left, left field bleachers for a home run. As he rounded the bases and he touched home, he looked at Yogi and he said, Hey, Yogi, I didn't come here to read. <laughs> he maintained his purpose. He maintained his focus. When Jesus sets you free, you are free for purpose. And this leads me to my last point, point number three, which I'm going to spend the rest of the time on, and that is this. You were born with purpose. Poke your neighbor and say, you were born with purpose. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to get now to where I really want to get. Are you ready? Mark 5, 18. When he had gotten to the boat, Jesus, he who had been demon-possessed, begged him that he might be with him. The man begs to go with him. Listen. 
You know what I have found? When people get set free from hell by Jesus and they get saved from a devil's hell by Jesus Christ, when they get set free from bondage, when they get delivered from all kinds of junk in their life and the tomb of destruction in their life and they're free to live for Jesus, they want to sit at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in their right mind. They always want to ask Jesus to be with them. They get out and they tell everybody they can about what Jesus did for them. Somebody say amen. They begin to live their lives for Jesus Christ. Somebody shout amen. I want to recall your attention to Matthew chapter 8, which says there were two men, versus Mark chapter 5, which says there's one. Supposing, and according to Matthew's gospel, it certainly appears and indicates that they both got set free. I have a question. Where did the other man in Matthew chapter 8 and really here in Mark 5, why are they not mentioned? Where did they go? Did they just receive deliverance from Jesus and just run off and do their own life again? Were they like the nine of the ten lepers who ran off after being cleansed by Jesus but never came back to say thank you or do anything for him? No wonder the man in Mark 5 begged Jesus to go with him. Jesus was the only man that accepted him and helped him. The only man in some time to smile at him. The only man to be kind to him. To help him and love him and accept him. He wanted to be with the man who set him free. Can I be Pastor Dallas for just a moment? The people who are truly grateful for all Jesus has done for them are desperate to be with them. People that know and understand what it's like to be really delivered and Jesus set you free from a burning hell, those people, you don't have to beg them to go to the prayer closet. Those people, you don't have to beg them to put some worship music on. Those people, you don't have to go daily and say, did you get in your Bible today? Did you read your Bible today? How come you ain't touched your Bible in four days? Uh-uh. No, no, no. These people, listen, people, when they've really been radically changed by Jesus, they don't stand around during worship when you're singing about the blood with their hands in their pockets washing everybody else worship. Uh-uh. <laughs> That's not them. These people are not people that just show up to church once a month. The average for Christians nowadays is to show up to church once a month, 12 Sundays out of 52. I love Jesus. He's done so much for me, I'm going to show up one-fourth of the time. Is it all right if I keep preaching? No, no, when you got people that have been radically saved by Jesus... Uh-uh, you can't keep them from worshiping. They'll tell you, give me room. Give me room to shout. You can't keep them out of the house of God. You can't keep them out of small groups. You can't keep them out of the prayer closet. You can't keep them out of the word. I'm preaching to somebody. Listen, if you can't find a way to worship God, if all the time you come to church is once a month, if you can't find more than 30 seconds a day to say a night-night prayer and a bless me over the meal, then you need to ask yourself, am I really loving Jesus for what he's done for me? What has Jesus done for you? Are you more aligned with this man or the other guy from Matthew 8 you never hear about again? Is it all right if I keep preaching a while? Which person are you going to be? Because we are that man. 
When Jesus got a hold of us, he pulled us out of them tombs. He pulled us out of our tomb. Our tomb of ugliness and uncleanness. Our tomb of sin and bondage in which nobody wanted anything to do with us. When Jesus found us and set us free, we owe him everything. Somebody shout amen. Because Jesus set us free. And he set us free with a purpose. We were born with a purpose. We were born to make a difference. Matthew chapter or Mark 5, 20. Watch what it says. And he departed the, the demoniac man and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. You know what Jesus was saying? Go home to the people who knew what you were like. And give God the glory for what you are now. Let them see what I've done in your life. Let them see the change. Have you ever thought it was like, I don't know if the man was married with children, but I like to think that he is. And since it's my sermon, I'm going to preach it like that. I can see now the children running in. Mommy, daddy's coming down the road. Oh, God, lock the windows and the doors. He's back. The knock on the door. Mary. And I could just hear the thoughts of her mind. Mary, that, that sounds like the man that I married. That don't sound like the crazy maniac living in the tombs. I, I don't trust it though. You need to go away. Mary, it's Joshua, your husband. Honey, I'm clothed. I'm in my right mind. The bondage is gone. The demons are gone. The alcohol is gone. The drugs are gone. The prostitution is gone. I'm back, honey. I'm back. And I could just see her creak the door open and look. And her eyes wide and tears begin to fill her eyes. And say, oh my God, how did it happen? And he begins to say, the Jesus from the other side of the lake came. And one word delivered me. And he set me free. I got to be careful because I had surgery Tuesday and they told me don't get wound up. And I'm getting wound up because Jesus will set you free. And I can see the children. Can you imagine the reunion of what it was like? As he says, I was dead, but now I'm alive. I was lost, but now I'm found. And it was Jesus. Woo! He begins to tell the people in the town about Jesus. But at first, they're not having it. Maybe not his family, but certainly the town. Look what Mark 5, 17 says. They begin to plead with him, Jesus, to depart from their region. Get out. Luke chapter 8, verse 37's account says, Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the Gadarenes asked him to depart from them. Get out. We don't want nothing to do with you. Jesus sent, listen, this man into one of the most challenging missions fields to where anybody has ever been called. So he starts off telling people about Jesus. They tell Jesus, get lost. But something changes. Because two chapters later by Mark 7... Verse 31 through 33, when Jesus comes back through town, 
Again, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came to the midst of the region of the capitalists of the Sea of Galilee. So it's two chapters later. We're not sure how long the time is. But he rolls back in town. Watch this. Then they brought to him one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on them, and he took them aside from the multitude. Wait a minute. They were all begging him two chapters early, get lost. Now they're all bringing sick people saying, will you please heal them? In Matthew chapter 15, verse 29 through 31, which is absolutely the same story and thought process and alignment, Jesus here, this is the same area, after this happens, departing from there, Jesus went along by the Sea of Galilee, and having gone up the mountain, he was sitting there. He's on the other side. Now, this is after Mark chapter 5. Watch this. And large crowds came to him. Bringing with them those who were lame, crippled, blind, mute, and many others. And they laid them down at his feet and he healed them. So the crowd marveled as they saw the mute speaking, the crippled restored, the lame walking, the blind seeing. And they glorified the God of Israel. They started off, get lost, Jesus. And now, by the time he shows up in Matthew 15, people are running to Jesus. Crowds and multitudes, and they're worshiping God and blessing God. I got a question for you. What changed? One man. You ain't hearing me today. One man at the bottom of the barrel, despised by everyone, Gentile and Jew alike, simply tells his God story and people come to Jesus. <laughs> he didn't go to Bible school in the interim. He didn't go study under the great rabbis. He did one thing. I was full of demons. Now I'm free. Jesus saved me. He can do the same for you. You don't have to go to Bible school. You don't have to be a scholar. All you got to do is say, this is who I was before Jesus, and this is who I am now. Somebody shout, Jesus. He was faithful to be an evangelist. He was born with purpose. He was born to make a difference. Listen, those who know you need to hear your testimony of what happens when Jesus changes a person's life. You were born with purpose and you were born to make a difference. Watch Luke 8, 39. Same account. Return to your house. Jesus speaks. You just go back to your house. Describe what great things God has done for you. This man said, I hear you tell me go home and tell everybody. But watch what he does. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city. You couldn't shut him up. You read there in Matthew's account, he went through the whole Decapolis. What great things Jesus had done for him. I got a question. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't that who we're supposed to be? Just tell your God story and God will do the rest. Stay focused. Stay committed to the purpose of sharing Jesus with the world. News commentator Dan Rather. Some of you remember Dan Rather. That's back when they just reported news and not the slant they want to give you. 
had a way of keeping his professional objective always in mind. This is what Dan Rather said. He looked often at a question written on three slips of paper, one in his pocket, one in his billfold, and one on his desk. And he looked at it often. It was a probing question, and it was this. Is what you are doing now helping the broadcast help them stay on target? I, I've got a question for us. Is what you are doing with your life now helping the kingdom of God? Remember the guy in Matthew 8 who apparently does nothing for Jesus? Which person are you going to be? Are you going to be the kind that gets delivered and saved by Jesus? But basically nobody ever hears anything from you again? Oh, you go to church sometimes and you're, yeah, you, you, you wear the badge. You might even have a little fish on your bumper. But basically you do nothing for Jesus or the kingdom. Or are you going to be like this man? Listen, listen, hear me, listen. You think you got it bad? Only man in his house saved, only man in his family saved, only man at his work saved, only man on his block saved, only man in the whole city saved, only man in the whole ten cities of the capital saved. Only one. Yet by the time Jesus shows up, Matthew 15, large multitudes are coming to Jesus glorifying God. One man, only one saved. You were born to make a difference. You were born with purpose. One last question and we're going to pray. I want you to picture this. There's one group of people left out of this whole story. Where were the disciples in this story? Bible says when they pulled up, Jesus got out of the boat and immediately man met him. But there is no account in any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, that say the disciples ever got out of the boat. He heads for the boat. The demonic man, demoniac man goes with him. The disciples, I believe, are still in the boat. Not 100%, but Mark, Matthew, and Luke never indicate any involvement from them at all. Listen, they already think the Gentile world is unclean. You can imagine what they think about this crazy demoniac man running naked, slobbering, and all this other stuff. Acts 10, it's so bad they're prejudiced. Listen, Acts 10. God's got to give a God-given vision three times for Peter to even go to a Gentile's house. Because they're unclean. Because the Torah says, touch no unclean. And I, and I want to be godly, so I ain't going to have nothing to do with this guy. Did the disciples sit in the boat and say, I will not get out of my boat and go touch an unclean world? You'll see this on the screen. If we're going to be in the kingdom of the king, we're going to have to get, be willing to get out of the boat. We're going to have to get out of the world in those places and those tombs and to those people who don't hold our worldviews and love and embrace people who live in tombs. Holly and I stayed in a bed of breakfast one time in St. Louis. We didn't know the guy was gay. And we're the only ones there. God kind of had set it up and we got in there and you could tell instantly you got pictures of him and his husband who had died. He was very vocal about it. Oh, we were married 20 years. This is my husband. He's telling us about it. Man, Holly and I just befriended him. We didn't go, ooh, you got the cooties. We just befriended him, talked with him. Next morning at breakfast, he made a great breakfast. We sat, he sat. I said, sit down with us. Oh, he sat down. We talked for a good long conversation. And I'd been praying that night. I said, Lord, how can I, how can I share the love of Jesus with him without being offensive? You know, you can do that without being a jerk. And I 
in the conversation that morning, found out he was brought up in church. He's the only one gay in his family, and he's rejected and ostracized by his family, this, that, and the other. And the Lord put it in my spirit what to do. And our way out, I can't even remember his name, but I said, hey, I want you to remember something. And he just kind of looked at me. He's standing about 10 feet away. I said, never forget, Jesus Christ is crazy about you. He loves you so much. He is crazy about you. He died for you. He teared up, and he went, And he came running over to give me a hug. Why didn't you know run the other way? I didn't go, ooh, you know what I did? Give me a hug, bring it in, bro. And I gave him a big old hug, and I said, man, Jesus loves you. He's tearing up. He's waving at us all the way on the way out. I thought, you know, I don't know. Maybe he's been treated bad by people, the church, or whatever. But I can tell you this. One thing about it, he was known that Jesus loves him. And who knows what Jesus do after I leave. Somebody say amen. So here's the conclusion. Jesus is asking you and I today. Will you go with me to the other side? Mark 4.35, let's go to the other side because I'm going to set somebody free and they're going to win 10 cities to the Lord. Will you go with Jesus to the other side? Will you fulfill the purpose God has called you to do? Is your purpose being hindered? If so, Jesus is here to set you free today. If one man who is the least likely to make any difference could be set free from demoniac strongholds and go turn 10 cities upside down for Jesus, there's hope for you and I. You too can be set free. And you can change the world. You can have four people in your home, in your small group. They can be saved. Perhaps the next person you win, who knows, Gerardo, whether one of them four will be like this demoniac man and turn Cincinnati upside down for Jesus. Here's what the Lord put on me to pray today. You're in here to the sound of my voice. And you have some kind of bondage. Maybe bondage to a thinking pattern. Maybe bondage to pornography. Bondage to lust, bondage to drugs or alcohol or smoking tobacco. Anything that you want to be free from and you can't seem to get free. Jesus will set you free right here, right now. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like for the elders and elders' wives and our prayer team who's been through prayer training. I want you to come up. There's some oil right there. Skinny Pete's going to have it. I want you elders and elders wives, come on up if you will. Prayer team, altar workers team, come on up. If you're in here in the sound of my voice, don't sit there. Don't sit there and go home in your bondage. This man didn't sit there. This man ran to Jesus. He made an act of faith. He ran to Jesus to be set free. You're here in the sound of my voice and you need freedom from anything. It could be just a a mindset, a thinking pattern, whatever. I want you to stand up. I want everybody, if you will, to stand up anyways because I got a second part for this altar call. But as you're standing, I want you to grab the person next to you and say, would you like to go down to the altar and pray? Just grab them by the hand. Say, would you like to go to the altar and pray? 
I'll go with you. Would you tell them that? Just say, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. Amen. There's freedom for you today. There's freedom for you today. For anybody that is free, you're free like this demoniac man was. Here's what Jesus is asking. Will you go with me to the other side? Will you go with me to the other side? Let me say it again. Will you go with me to the other side? Because there is work to be done. I want everyone that says, yes, Jesus, I will go with you to the other side. I'd like for you to come down this way and find you a spot at this altar. Maybe turn the front chairs into your altar area if you can't bend down or kneel down and pray. I want you to come down as a living sacrifice and just say, Lord, here I am. Come on, you're born with a purpose. You're born to make a difference. Jesus is asking, will you go with me to the other side? Come on, come on, come on. Come on, let's pray. Let's lay ourselves at that altar. And let's surrender ourselves to Jesus. Come on, the altar's open. I hope it's yes, you. I want you to come.